0: Keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we learn about ourselves and each other by sharing our sexual perspectives and stories in an effort to create a world where we all get laid in ways that make our hearts sing, because we all deserve to lead lives we love. Our guest today is a 29-year-old Jewish male. He is attracted to both men and women. He's still figuring out how to label all the stuff that he's into, so we're going to talk about that. A social worker from Israel. Welcome, Alex. Hi. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you here. Can you start off by telling us, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being super full of shame and 1 being not so shamey, where do you fall today?
1: I think today at like a 4. But I think it changes.
0: (laughs) When does it change? I think
1: it changes all the time. I think it also changes, with, you know, whenever you're with a sexual partner, depending on what the situation is, it can change depending on your own mood, depending on how you're feeling about yourself. But I think today I'm at like a four. Okay.
0: Okay. Can you tell us what your sex life is like right now? Just a little overview.
1: It's complicated, but right now sex is mostly happening in one night stands and just having some fun. Um, I think I've been in a period of transition. So in that transition period, it's been kind of hard uh, figuring out like how to get into a relationship and also coming out a few years ago. So the whole thing is a little complicated. We can get into that. Okay,
0: okay. And then can you just tell us what does sexy mean to you?
1: I think sexy, first of all, is self-confidence. I think if anybody if you're confident in yourself, you you feel sexy. Mm -hmm. And I think you can tell when your emotions are off and you're not feeling good about yourself emotionally, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to see all those little things that are off. Oh, there's a little too much belly fat there. And I don't like the way that looks. And usually when you're in a good mood and your emotional state is up, you're going to look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay. It's yes. <laughs> so true.
0: I can also just say like myself, because I look at myself naked and take so many naked pictures, like over the course of years now, I can totally tell that the way that I see myself in the mirror is totally related to feelings. So agree yeah. agree I mean
1: I think it's also horrible to say I don't know if it's horrible but usually like if I'm after sex if I'm walking around naked and there's like a full-length mirror yeah like that's I'm usually feeling great and then I'm looking at myself like oh, okay
0: I, <laughs> I mean, love that great. <laughs> I don't I think that's awesome okay can you take us back to your early years and tell us when do you first remember learning about sex what do you remember feeling about it and did you ever learn about consent
1: so I grew up in a Jewish Orthodox household. So we were religious. I don't know if everybody knows what that means, but you're keeping this at it. So you're not using electronics and you're going to pray and you're going to the temple. And, you know, I grew up with a Jewish education as well. So you're learning all about the Bible and all the rules that come with being Jewish. And sex is less talked about in that community. Now, I think it's a little better and it depends on the community. But back then, I can remember when I learned about sex, it was mostly Star. Uh, what is it? The cable company. Oh, yeah. there like like was stuff. like, yeah, yeah. like Star. Yeah, I'm so old. But yeah, when you figured out that the code was 1234, <laughs> you could like watch the softcore porn. <laughs> so I think that was like my introduction to sex, which was not healthy. Wow. And I think also like my real introduction to sex came in more of my teenage years. Obviously, TV shows, movies. When I was like 11 or 12, we had sex ed. And I remember they said. You guys can put any question you want in this box. And I was wondering when the teacher lost her virginity, and I thought that was a legitimate question to ask because I was just like, "When is it okay? Yeah, like, uh, what age? What's the baseline?" And she pulled that out of the box first and was like, "This is an inappropriate question. Oh. You don't need to be asking about our personal lives." And I felt so, that was like mm. a content on the
2: sheet.
1: I was like, "Okay, so we don't we don't talk about this stuff." And then my parents didn't not talk about it; It just wasn't something you talked about. Right. So when you're not talking about something you're like, okay, it's not legitimate to have this conversation. So let's just keep it. Yeah. And yeah, when I was 14 in school, you know what a Kit Kat bar is. And here in Israel, we have a bar called a timeout bar. Okay. And so the way they explained sex to 14 year old boys in a religious way was that there are times of the month where you can have a Kit Kat and have fun, which is the sex part. And then there are times of the month where you're on a timeout and you can't have sex. And that was like the sex talk. And that has to do with different laws of touching and and being able to touch your wife when she's on her period. And there's a whole thing like she's not pure, so you can't touch her. And it's a whole thing and you can get into it, but uh, it's complicated. Wow. But that's a message you're getting at 14.
0: So how did that make you feel as a 14-year-old young man?
1: I mean, I also remember myself at a very young age realizing I was attracted to men and women. Mm. So then that just throws it on there of like, okay, well, if we can't talk about sex, we for sure can't talk about that. Like that is off limits. Yeah. I think at a certain point, I then ended up just kind of splitting my world into two, like the Alex that I put out in front of everybody, which is the the heterosexual, loves women, you know, mainstream, and then the Alex that is kind of hidden from everybody else and kind of just is in your head. And then only when I came out, you know, now I'm in the process of putting those two things together.
0: Okay, okay. And just for context for right now, I know we're jumping ahead, but at what age did you come out?
1: I was 25. Okay. We never got a consent talk.
0: Okay.
1: There were like two times I think my mom talked to me about sex. One was someone said, I was thinking about this yesterday, like leading up to the interview. Someone in the house didn't even say something sexual or about sex. It was just kind of insinuating. And when my mom heard it, I think I said it and she's like, do I need to give you the talk? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I gave your brother the talk when he was younger, but I never talked to you about it. And I was just like, no, I don't want to talk to you about this. Like I was 14, 15. I was like, oh. so she's like, okay, fine. I'll just tell you what I told your brother. If you get a girl pregnant, I will cut it off. Like <laughs> that was my mom. She was just Oh
0: my gosh.
1: She's New Yorker. Okay. So <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> said it in that way. I was like, okay. I was like, listen, I go to school with all boys. Like, I know what sex is. We're okay. good. Wow. Which looking back, that was a mistake on her part. Like I needed a good talking to of what sex is and what consent is and yeah. what's my own consent of what I'm allowed to say yes or no to.
0: Totally. I, I can relate. I feel like we all need that, but we're just looking at generations of discomfort for the most part, you know, with some exception. But So in your schools and in Orthodox Judaism, I'm guessing that it's not particularly queer friendly, but can you give us kind of just the baseline there for what, what we might expect?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the community. There are communities that are very open. There are communities that are very welcoming. And when it comes down to it, it's just like any other person, you know, whether you're Christian or Jewish or whatever, it depends on the person, if they're open or not. I think for me, it just, it was never talked about in a open way. Got it. And then we had like a friend of the family whose brother was gay. And like, when it was talked about, it was more like talked about in a undertone of like, oh yeah, like he's gay. Like, oh, no, he doesn't talk to him so much. And so it kind of already put a shame on it for me. And then as as I was growing up and, you know, when I was younger, I liked to play with dolls. And like, I would be like, hey, can I play with the dolls? Like quietly to my mom. And she'd ask loudly at the table and we'd get all these looks. And I'm like, OK, OK, we don't talk about that. <laughs> okay. just A lot of things where it's like shame on shame on shame. But it's funny because I think when I came out also, my friends I was most nervous telling about it were the religious ones and they didn't have any problem with it like they were totally fine and my brother's religious and I told him about it and he was completely fine. Like I had a great experience. So I'm grateful for that. Okay.
0: Okay. Before we get to that, can you tell us a little more about your experience discovering your own body?
1: Yeah. When I figured out what stars was and you could watch softcore core porn, which then I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. Now I'm like, okay, that's like something you can watch now on Netflix. Like that's like the soft version of what you could see on Netflix today. Which is crazy also. Yeah. Like I think the freedom is good, but we still need boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think that with the openness we have, because we're not having those conversations with kids, they're seeing it on T V, they're seeing it on Netflix, and then they're not getting the background that's not real. Yep. And I think that when I first figured it out, there was a lot of pillow humping. I mean, fourteen year old kid never got a talk of like what masturbation was. (laughs) So you just figure it out on your own and kind of go with the flow and Like, I can remember when I was growing up, there was a lot of masturbation going on, which I think one of my friends, a girl, asked me once, like, do guys really masturbate that much when they're teens? Like, someone told me they were doing it, like, three times a day. I'm like, yeah, they do. (laughs) Like, It happens. Nothing you can do about it. I,
0: I I did, too, for the record. Like, I was at least once a day, but, like, sometimes two or three times a day, too, as a young woman, but I never talked about it with my friends. Just never.
1: Which is crazy. Yeah. Because I also think that, something else that society has kind of put on women like don't talk about Mm -hmm. that even with your friends like we just you know women don't masturbate it doesn't
0: happen yeah i'm making up for it now
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think even now like some of my friends it's like once i was more comfortable talking about my sex life they were more comfortable talking about theirs and opening up and like it just makes for so much a better conversation a better relationship with that person where they can feel comfortable to talk to you about those things yeah but I think as a man, if I felt shame about it, then I can only imagine what women feel when it's like, Geez, you don't do that. You can't talk about that. But yeah, I can remember that. I mean, I didn't really have my first real sexual experience until I was like 16. Okay. So there was a lot of masturbating going on.
0: Okay. And are there any like interesting or fun or terrifying or scarring stories from your early masturbation? Or was it all pretty just like, where did you do it? How did it feel? Did you ever get interrupted?
1: interrupted i don't know about it i could have been i think as a young kid like it's possible that someone walked in and just like oh nope close the door and i think at a certain point as a kid you're like oh no one knows like what's this a secret and, yeah. like, and that's another thing no one talks about it so yeah. it's like as if no one knows where i think your parents kind of know at some point where it's like you're in the shower for 45 <laughs> minutes like you're not washing your hair you don't have that much <laughs> you know what i mean totally I think that's something else like people don't want to talk about it because it's not an open conversation. And then, you know, when it is talked about, it's usually talked about shamefully. Growing up, at least with my body, I had a good relationship, I feel like, with my own body. Emotionally, I think it was a whole different story.
0: Okay. so walk us through now. What were your explorations like with a partner, with another person?
1: Interesting. I say bisexual for other people, not for me, Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of people like the labels. Like, oh, what are you? I'm yeah. like, Does it matter to you? Like, at one point, I just started saying to people, like, unless you're looking to fuck me, I don't think you really need to know what I like or don't like. Mm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And in the end of the day, I remember myself as someone who'd be like, oh, what are they? And I'm like why, like, why do I care? I don't really care. So I tend to say I'm attracted to men and women because mm-hmm. I'm also like, well, what happens if I end up marrying a woman or being in a long term relationship with a man or marrying a man? So now I'm gay or now I'm straight or yeah. I don't understand it. And I also think I'm not really part of the queer LGBTQ community at all, mm-hmm. but I do think that a lot of the needing to label people also comes from that community. If you want to know who you are and like, you have to label yourself so other people can know and then be careful about what they say around you. I'm like, okay, but you now are doing what other people, I mean, I can't even count the amount of gay guys that I've been with who have said like, oh no, you're not bisexual. You're just a gay guy who doesn't know it yet. And I'm like, wait, what?
0: How does that make you feel?
1: I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm sure you've been through this where other people are like, no, you're not gay. You just think you're gay. And like, then you're going to say it to someone else who's going through their own journey. And even if I am, like, let me figure that out on my own instead of trying to shame me about
0: it. I just want to share a reflection on everything you just said, because I can relate. I feel outside the queer community. I have lots of queer friends, but I don't I'm outside of most communities. I'm like off on my own doing my own thing most of the time but I really like labels because I've learned that they are so important to most people. And I want to make sure that I'm using the right one for that person. And I just think you highlight the the greatest sort of like difficulty with that is some people just are like, stop labeling me, give me less labels. <laughs> and I'm like, totally, totally. I, I hear that. Yeah, you know? I
1: think you can respect. I think that's what, what I've always said. You can respect somebody who wants to give themselves a certain label and you can use the label and you can have a good conversation. But then if I'm saying to you, I don't want you to label yeah. me, then respect that as well. And I'm not saying don't label yourself. I'm just saying don't label me. And we're all good.
0: I also can't help but think about, I love what you said of like, if you're not going to fuck me, it's not your business. And I wonder <laughs> if it really isn't. No, like, what it's do you true. Care? But I wonder if some part of my subconscious that is just like attracted to lots of people is also just like, like always putting out feelers. I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs>
1: want to know because (laughs) it might be in the future i may want to fuck you It's like i don't need to know yeah yeah but it was more of like people you know going behind your back and asking your friend or asking your coworker. and it's like unless you're looking to fuck me like you don't need to be asking all these people because if i and i was most of the time in the closet you're opening a conversation i might not be ready to open totally so it's like that forethought of like that might be an awkward conversation for me after when someone's like hey someone asked like are you and it's like well Right now I'm lying about it. So that's not really a conversation I want to have.
0: Oh, man. Okay. So you already knew before you ever were involved with another human being physically, like you already knew that you were attracted to both men and women.
1: I wouldn't say new. I think that's a hard word because I think it was more of, of this feelings of, okay, there's something going on. There's some boy that I'm attracted to, but then I'm also attracted to this girl and then it not being acceptable in my community or me feeling Mm -hmm. I think that's more of it, me feeling it wasn't acceptable, just because I think I've seen so many stories on TV and movies about it not being acceptable and people not accepting. And then you just understand that, okay, people aren't going to accept, so never talk about it. And I think that I was kind of in this space of like, I don't really know what it is, and just had this whole conversation for 15 years in my head of, am I attracted to men? Am I not? Am I attracted to women? Am I gay? Am I straight? Am I Bisexual, I didn't even know that was a thing for a while. Yeah. Like that you could be. Same. Like till I was about twenty four. I was like, I have to choose. Like at some point, I'm gonna have to decide. Like, am I coming out as gay to my parents and then going down that path, or am I gonna be straight and just go down that path? And then I think when I started having sexual experiences, it became more complicated. Okay. It became an even more intense conversation in my head because you have an experience with a woman you're like wow i enjoyed that and i had fun and i was attracted to her and i got an erection and that was a fun thing and i came that was even more fun and then you have those in the same experiences with a man and you're like well that was fun and i came and had the erection you're like wait what what is going on like am i am i not am i faking it like am i faking it to myself it yeah it gets confusing.
0: (laughs) That sounds really confusing. Can you rewind a little bit for us and fill in before you started having these amazing experiences? Like what were your early explorations? What was your formative stuff physically with partners? I mean, I think just
1: as kids, like everybody explores and you know, like, oh, a kiss here and uh, show me yours. I'll show you mine kind of thing. And like innocent things that kids do. I think it was actually in high school. I think it was 15 and it wasn't a good experience. A teacher I don't even know how to say it because you say either assaulted, but it wasn't really an assault. And like, Mm. I think that's also part of it, like labeling what happened to you and trying to figure it out. But knowing that you were 15, there wasn't consent and you didn't want it to happen. But there was a teacher that was like one of the most loved teachers in school. And he kind of connected to all the kids. And now looking back, like you can see predatory behavior, especially after learning social work and learning about it of like, he would have like poker nights at the school with 15 year olds and, mm. and give them beer. And you're like, now I'm like, uh, that wasn't okay. yeah. And I knew that I didn't go to any of those nights, but like even one time he offered everybody to come to his house. And I think now looking back, like you can kind of see how he was kind of like, getting ready and i think part of it was me being so confused like you can see that weakness in people and i think he saw the weakness and took advantage and it's awkward talking about it because i think it never like it gets to the point where you're like i just want you to know like i wasn't raped Mm -hmm. but then again the emotional damage that was done even though it didn't get yeah so far was catastrophic yeah and then it's weird talking about it because you like people like well what did he do to you i'm like "I i can talk about it but it's not what he did it was the emotional stuff it caused inside me afterwards, and then how I carried that on in all of my relationships.
0: Yes, I think that's the part that is really valuable if you care to share for us to learn from. I don't necessarily think that sharing the physical details is very is very, Yeah, is very, um, yeah
1: and I, I don't think it matters. No, I think what it did to you, whether you were just touched on a bus or raped, what it did to you emotionally is what matters, yes. because that's what you have to deal with yes. the rest of your life. And I think also, I just want to say, like, I was, I've was i been in therapy for three years. I've talked about this a lot. I've gone through it. I would not suggest sharing these things publicly until you have done that and kind of figured it out yourself, what it means to you. But I think therapy helped me a lot figuring that out, yeah. like figuring out that I was at a certain point, just my most of my sexual partners was me in a way punishing myself at a certain point of like. This is what people want. Like, if I don't give it to them, they're going to take it. So I just have to give it to them. And I think that was probably the most damage it did to me of now realizing that, no, I don't have to give it to someone in order for them to stick around. And no, I don't have to give it to them before they take it. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting parts is now I'm six foot three and 200 pounds, so I'm a pretty big guy. And for years, I would, saw myself as very weak physically. Wow. Like, I just remember thinking, like, I'm like this weakling. I was also skinny throughout all of high school and until my early 20s. And now looking at myself, I'm like, oh, I'm a big dude. Like, people get a little bit taken aback when I stand up. And then emotionally realizing, yes, like, I have control of my body and what happens to it and, and what goes forward. Yeah. And I think part of that was also, you know, you see this person every day. I think that was a huge thing of the anxiety of seeing this person every day. And at a certain point, I was able to stop it. I had, don't know where that came from as a young kid, but I was just like, no, it's not happening anymore. But then spending most of my days figuring out logistically, like, I'm not going to be in a room with him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How I'm going to make sure that like during recess, I'm not alone. I'm with someone else or with other friends. And that, I think, gave me a lot of anxiety that I still deal with yeah. till today.
0: And just to clarify for our listeners, it sounds like the experience that you had with him lasted over a period of time.
1: From what he was doing, yeah, it was a few months, I think. The time is always a little blurry to me. Like, I can't tell you exactly what age it was. I can't tell you how long it was happening. But I remember the last time when I was just like, that's not happening. Yeah, and like, also because I live in Israel, a lot of people have guns. He had a gun on him. So it added that extra sense of authority. And he was also like the karate teacher and had a black belt. And he would use his physical power in order to take over. I think that was also difficult. And then also at a certain point, two other kids who were younger than me ended up forming a complaint against him. Okay. And I think that was also really hard for me of like knowing that he did it to someone else and I didn't say anything. But today I can kind of figure out that you're going to say something when it's right for you and when you're ready and when you're emotionally in that place. Yeah. And until two, three years ago, like once I went through therapy, I, w- I didn't even open it up. Like therapy was the first time I really talked about it, which really helped me like get figure out what was going on and what I was feeling at the time and how to kind of get through that.
0: Yeah. So what was actually happening in your sex life up until therapy? It sounds like you had some experiences. Can you can you talk about them? Can you what was your first partnered experience that was a chosen one?
1: I think there was also a lot of shame in my sex life at that point. Like the shame meter was going off the rails. Yeah. I'm trying to remember timing. I know that there was in school, first of all I like to say like when I came out and was talking to my friends about it, like the thing i say all the time is like the amount of people that you think are straight are not
0: (laughs) totally oh my god the more i talk to people the more i'm like are there any real straight ones and then you you get a few that are like i'm definitely straight and i'm like okay but okay (laughs) you get a few i'm
1: like you're definitely straight and then i'm like oh wait no you're not okay (laughs) yeah yeah i had a couple experiences of guys hitting on, like starting with me and i was like wait what like this is not supposed to be happening like Mm. i'm good with it but are you Mm. which also led to a lot of shame but i'll go into that after but i think the real i mean i had a sexual experience with someone at school a boy at school i think i was like must have been like 16 something like that which was fun because it kind of started where we were in class and it was consensual which was nice where we were in class and i think a lot of people like have this misconception that when it's an all school. Like, they think everybody's just macho and everything. The amount of touching that goes on at a all-boys school, yeah. like, the amount of, like, coming behind people and fake fucking them in yep. the ass, yep. it's like, wait, what is going on? Like, <laughs> this is not a porno, guy. Like, everybody calm down. And I just remember, like, we were sitting and everybody was, like, sitting on each other's laps at a certain point. And I, I think I either sat on his lap or he sat on mine. And, like, you could feel that, like, someone was getting excited. That wow. so was like, okay, interesting. And then it was, like, I think a year or two of, like, meeting up in the bathroom or meeting up outside school and, like, you know, outside in, like, a place that was abandoned and kind of fun adventures, figuring out also, like, did I like it? Did I not like it? Mm -hmm. I think the problem was, though, that it was filled with a little bit of shame because you'd go back to school and, like, we're friends, but, like, we're not really talking. yeah And I think a lot of that was from my side as well because I was in the class. I didn't want anybody to know about it. And his side as well. And then you kind of start realizing that there's no space for emotions in this relationship and i think that as it goes on if, if you stay in the closet and you keep having those experiences you kind of learn like there's no space for emotions in relationships mm. so it becomes harder
0: is there no space because you're in the closet or is it and it's just such a small frame or what's the part that feels like there's not space also what did you like literally do together
1: Oh, I think it was like kid stuff in the end of the day. Like to me, it was like, oh my God, like we're, you know, giving each other blowjobs like this is insane. Yeah. And you know, I was a virgin till I was like 21. So mm-hmm. like till I was 21, like blowjobs were ridiculous and hand and kissing a little bit. But that's also it. There was like no talking. Okay. There was no conversation. There was no, how are you feeling about this? There mm-hmm. was no, hey, what's going on with you? So it was very disconnected. And now I can say that that had a huge impact on me because now knowing how I can be connected to a sexual partner, it's like two different worlds. And then I also had a really close friend. We were like a tight knit group, a woman. I think we were also like 17 at that point. And we started kind of hanging out and then we started hooking up. As you know, like innocent friends all of a sudden start hooking up and like figuring it out. And I do remember from that, there was one time where she was at my house It was, I think, the first time we hooked up. And we had drank a little bit. And then she's like, can you walk me down to the bedroom where I'm staying? And I was like, okay, I guess so. Like, I didn't realize what was happening. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I can walk you downstairs. Like, you know where the room is. And then once we got to the room, like, I don't even know how it started. It kind of just started. And then, like, as we were kissing, she started laughing. I'm like, listen, whoa, you cannot be laughing when we're in this position. Like, this is not okay. Okay. And she was like, um, she was just awkward. And like, it was just her way of reacting to an awkward situation. Yeah. And then I remember it was like two hours of dry pumping, which at a certain point, I think I was on top of her because she was like, I don't get on top. I was like, okay. At a certain point I was on top of her and I was like, listen, my arms are getting real tired. (laughs) So if you want to keep going, like we're going to have to switch. i remember that till this day so clearly he's like okay fine like and we switched and i was just like oh thank god like my arms are killing me <laughs> that's a lot of dry humping until this day i'm surprised how long it can last but like that was a lot of dry humping and like with like i don't even remember what pants i was wearing but it hurt i, I was gonna at ask point.
0: like there's gotta be chafing and then also like is there ever a point where you might Come in your pants, or is it just so chafed that it's like, ow?
1: Yeah, I don't think the point of it was to come. I think it was just that this is a great sexual experience and you're kind of in it. Uh-huh. And then I think there was also one point during that same time that like we were making out and like we were dry humping. Then she was someone who didn't like to touch. I don't know. There was something with touch she didn't like. Like okay. even friends she wouldn't hug so much. And so we're making out and whatever. And she just sticks her hand straight down my pants hmm. and like grabs my dick. And I'm like, what (laughs) Like, what is happening i like it but i don't know what's happening yeah so that was fun i was like oh that feels good better than the dry humping it was a good experience and i think with her we ended up going out for like six months okay but again i think because of the confusion that i had with myself i didn't realize i i wasn't able to connect
2: Mm.
1: like even then like we I, i wasn't in love with her like we were like 18 or something like that when we started going out like I liked her. She was a good friend of mine. Like I had feeling like I cared for her, but I, there wasn't that connection. And then I would say there was a couple years of just because every time I tried to start some sort of emotional relationship, it didn't work out in one way or another. I kind of just stopped trying at some point. Mm. And it was just like, okay, fuck it. Just enjoy myself.
0: Okay. And at some point that led you to like sounds like losing your virginity as you describe it. How did you define that, by the way, at 21?
1: Losing my, well, I was also religious until about 21. Like once I went, everybody has to go in the army in Israel. So once I went in the army, which is a whole like different world, which was amazing kind of sexually to figure, to kind of be in the army and figure it out. But when I was 21, I was in the army and I stopped being religious. And I mean, I have a really good friend. And she had a really good friend who was British and who was in Israel for a year or something like that. And she had a birthday and we all decided to go out. So we go out and we're drinking and we drank a lot. And then another friend comes and they're closing the bar. It's like one o'clock in the morning at this point. So she's like, I'm going to buy a bottle. and like, we're all going to go back to my hotel room. Great. We're all drunk. So we're like, yeah, that's going to happen. So we all go back to the hotel room. And like, there again, I think I'm very, till this day, like, I don't understand when people are into me or not into me or attracted to me or not. Yeah. It's so hard. to so understand. Hard. And I'm just like, I don't think anyone's attracted to me. <laughs> I know when I'm attracted to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so we go back to the hotel room. We go into the room and it's literally like a room and like a bathroom. Like there's not a lot of space there. And so we end up like having fun and whatever. And like our other friend that, that ended up coming with us was like, I didn't drink anything. So I'm going to drink, but I'm not drinking alone. And I'm like, no problem. I'll drink with you. Now, mind it, I'm already like fucking out of this world drunk. <laughs> And it's a bottle of vodka. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do shots with you. So I'm really, really drunk. I mean, I was aware of my surroundings and everything until this day. I I do have a question about the consent that was going on there. But I was in a right mind to be able to consent. And I went to the bathroom and I come out to go out of the bathroom. And she's just standing at the door and just like pushes me back in the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, we're doing this? Oh, yeah. So we start making out or whatever. I end up putting her on the sink. We break a glass. Shelf that was
0: on. Oh no.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. And luckily, it's not my hotel room. <laughs> now, you have to remember one of my really good friends, till this day, we very good friends, is in the other room with one of her good friends, like sitting on the bed yeah. listening to all of them. <laughs> so, like, I'm sitting on the toilet. She decides to get on. There was no condom. I still hadn't had that talk. Like, I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sure. Like, it didn't even come into my head. I was just like, this is great. Like, this feels good. We end up having sex. I don't remember. It didn't, like, it kind of just happened. And then it didn't really, it stopped at some point And we went back into the room. And we ended up sleeping all together in the bed. And the next day, like, we still have a picture of going to, like, this cafe in the morning. And another friend joined us. And, like, none of us talking about it. And all of us feeling in shame. Because, like, this girl doesn't realize that we were all just in, like, a room. And we had sex. And we're all hungover. And we yeah. all slept together in a bed. And then I remember that day I called my friend. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe. Last night, and she's like, By the way, I heard everything. Like, what do you mean? She's like, You were moaning. Like, I heard you lose your virginity. And I was like, What? No. Please don't tell me. And she's like, Yeah, I heard everything. Like, well, we have that.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you at the time was very embarrassed. Is you now still feel the same way? Because there's a little voice in my head that thinks, Oh, that's so sweet.
1: But it was not sweet. Okay. I mean, listen, I kind of live my life without having regret. Yeah. Like, I don't regret it. You know, maybe that was something that I don't have the fondest memory of, but it made me who I am today. It's part of my journey. So I'm not going to regret it. I think that was one thing that I look back on as like, I'll always remember it. Mm -hmm. It was a great story. And she was a sweet girl. And it was a good time. And, you know, yeah, it could have happened differently, but it didn't. Totally. So now I'm going to go back and start going over it and feeling it. But yeah, obviously, it's still kind of like I, she brings it up once in a while. Like when someone new comes into the picture and we're talking, she's like, Oh, we've been friends. I'll, you know, one of us will be like, We've been friends for so long. She's like, Yeah, I was there when he lost his virginity. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you have to bring that up all the time?
0: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it is a good story. Okay. So were you like unlocked at that point or how long was it? Were you in the military at that point or is that when you went to the military after that? I was
1: like in the middle of being in the military. I mean, I wasn't unlocked at all. I think there was still a lot of shame around sex. It was still something we didn't talk about, I think because of my own demons of the sexual assault and not knowing how to deal with that. And then also just trying to figure out my identity and figuring out, do I like guys? Do I like girls? Like what is going on? There was just a lot of drinking going on, like a regular 19, 20 year old drinks and 22. And then there was also a lot of like, trials and errors of like, I would go out. And at that point, I had a lot of confidence. Like, I don't know what it was, but I was young. I looked good. I was like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I can get girls like I'm, I can do it. And also, I had a lot of friends around me who were like, you know, straight guys, like we have to go fuck girls like that's what we do. And I'm like, Okay, let's do it. And so there was this one girl one time that I took back to my friend's apartment. And we were making out and she was very attractive. And at some point, it led to like, oh, fingering. And this was right before I lost my virginity. And I was thinking in my head, and this is what sex education can do for people and why it's so important. Well, I like in order to get something wet, like I use shampoo or conditioner, like it'll work for her. It doesn't. <laughs> I figured that out as like a 19 year old kid. And she was like, it burns. I was like, oh, no, shower, like <laughs> let's watch. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I felt so bad. And I was just like, oh, this is horrible. But like, I didn't have any sex education. Like no yeah. one was talking about it. Yeah. To me, it was like, it works for me.
0: It'll work for her. And even if you had had sex education, I didn't learn about any sort of lube or how to actually make things wet in sex ed. And the first couple of times I had sex, well, no, my fraternity night was good. The second time I had sex, looking back, I'm like, I was not wet. That was the problem. That was why it felt so bad. I just didn't know for some reason. I think I got
1: lucky also because just out of my personality, like I'm a giver. Like I'd like mm-hmm. to be able to have give someone enjoyment before I get my own enjoyment. I also think being a guy, like it's just so much easier for me, especially when I'm with women, of like, yeah, I can come into set like yeah. someone be like like are you almost there? And I'm like, I'm always almost there. <laughs> like don't ask that question. <laughs> like you just let me know when you're ready and like it's done. So just naturally, I would always contend kind of to, to her needs first and then she would be wet. So then it mm. would just make it easier. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't something conscious of like, oh, I have to make sure that I get her wet first so that it's comfortable for her. It was just like, oh, well, I like, you know, going down on her. I like, you know, making out or foreplay. So that's something I'm into. That's great. I'm into foreplay. I think foreplay is amazing <gasps> if you do it right.
0: Go ahead and say more.
1: One, I think when someone can like find your spot, like that's like heaven. Like when you're with someone and like they naturally just go to that place that gives you those chills. Like mine is on my like right behind my ear on my neck. Mm. And when someone finds that spot, you're just like, stop. (laughs) No, 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 no. Like you did it. Good job. No more.
0: (laughs) What does it do if they if you get more? Is it like too much for you?
1: Yeah, it's like overwhelming. Like that spot, like if someone can stick on that, sticks on that spot for a little too long. It's just like an overwhelming feeling in my body of like. OK, you need to stop right now because like, mm-hmm. I'm not. No. And it's not even like I'm going to come. It's just like ecstasy in your body of like that feels so good. Yeah. So I think when you can get to that place and I think you can get to that place with, you know, a one night stand. But when you know someone and you know their body, then I think it's even better. The foreplay becomes better and it just becomes more fluid and they know what you like and what you don't like. And I think now maybe that I've had more sexual partners that have lasted more than once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I realized, like, that's a huge part of it
0: that makes it so much better. Yeah. And oh able to, like, what are some of the other spots on your body, like, perhaps in your genital region? Like, what feels the best down there? So I think
1: that's something I'm figuring out now. The craziest thing is, I think for a long time, I was like, I just don't like blowjobs. Oh. I just think I was getting bad blowjobs.
0: Giving them or receiving them?
1: I like both. I, I think I'm pretty good at giving blowjobs when it comes to receiving, I feel like for a long time, it's like, I just don't like Like, blowjobs. It's not good. They don't do it for me. Then I got a really good blowjob and it's like, oh no, it's not me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So what makes a really good blowjob for you?
1: First of all, if you're circumcised, there are different areas of the, something you also never are told. You kind of have to figure it out. Like there are different areas of the penis that are more Fragile and like you should not be touching. And then there are more areas that you're like, yeah, you need to touch that more. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if someone has the right handwork during a blowjob, like that does all, it, that's everything.
0: What's your favorite kind of handwork? Is it like up and down, sideways? Like, what's your version of a right?
1: First of all, it's got to be wet. Let's start with be wet. That.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I'm sorry, but there are people who give blowjobs and like not realizing, like, if you're not getting the dick wet, it's going of hurt Like, it doesn't feel good. There's nothing for me. I, other people might like it. I do know. Like, I had sexual partners who like it dry, and I'm like, okay, that gets closer.
0: For me, the hardest part is the like in between. Like, if it's fully dry, like, maybe there's smooth touching that's good. But when it's like, if I don't have enough wetness in my mouth, like,
2: (laughs) I know, like, the the, the,
0: like (laughs) sticky wet is the worst. Like, where it's like kind of a little bit wet, but then it, but it's not like slippery. That's the worst, in my opinion. Slippery is the best. Slippery is the best.
1: And then if you can get it slippery at first, like, just with your mouth, and then get the hand going, then you're golden. Fuck yeah. But I think, I think everybody has their own kind of like, this is how I like my blowjobs. And I think there's also people who are like, this is how I like giving my blowjobs. Like, I don't like you shoving your dick down my throat. Like, I'm good. I got this. I don't need your help. If if I don't ask for it, like, I don't need it. (laughs) Which I think in the past, I wasn't comfortable saying. Now I'm very comfortable being like, I don't like that. Don't do it. Mm. Like, it took me a huge journey to get to that point where I can just be like, no. Like I, I got it. Don't need your help. I'm like, I'll stop it at a certain point. If like if you keep going and you keep trying this, like it's not happening. Yeah. Which is funny because I think with women it's the opposite of like if I'm going down on a girl and then she starts moving her hips, it's like enjoyable.
0: Oh yeah. Interesting.
1: Which that's like the first question I get from everyone when I say I'm bisexual or I'm attracted to men and women, like, what do you like more? <laughs> <laughs> not how it works. Not how it works. Who did you like more the last person you had sex with or the next person you're going to have sex right. with like it, it's not a real question like next
0: It's a type of thinking that I could understand if you're not yet in touch with the feelings of what it's like to just yeah. be attracted to multiple. So, okay, wait, but tell us some of your moves in going down on partners both with penises and clitoris vulva vaginas.
1: Uh, well, first of all, I think the most important thing is hygiene. You got to be clean. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people forget that, that, like, if it smells weird, like, I'm not going down on you. It's not happening.
0: How do you communicate that to someone? I haven't had to because
1: it was usually when you're younger. I think, like, obviously, again, they're not talking to 17, 18, 19 year olds about about hygiene at all. And then sexual hygiene. There's no conversation. So then no one knows, like, yeah, if you don't shower and properly clean yourself, you're going to smell at some point.
0: (laughs) There's a reason people get ready before dates.
1: Yeah, exactly. So once you're older, you start realizing that, like, oh, you got to get ready. You got to trim. You got to, like, make sure everything's good. I mean, I think with women, I kind of have, like, a go-to of, like, starting from the head and then working my way down and then skipping over Mm. the clit and the vagina and all that area and just going straight to the leg. I think thighs. I love thighs. And the hip bone.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If someone has a good hip bone that, like, comes out like this. Will drive me crazy, and then I want to bite it. Mm. I'm like, it's funny because I think a lot of people don't ever have that experience, and I've had a couple people, like men and women, that I've been it, and they're like, "Wait, what?" Like, they have that reaction of just like the hip thrust of like, "Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I like that fun thing to do." And then I think it's kind of listening to your partner, Mm -hmm. like to their body and how it moves, and, and listening to yourself also, like what you like or if it's not going well or if you're not into it, then you can stop. (laughs) No one's forcing you to keep going. Like, at a certain point, you're able to say to someone like, I mean, I don't, if you have to say it, I think your chemistry's off.
0: What do you mean? If you have to say anything? What do you mean?
1: No, I think if you have to say, like, if you're going down on someone, and you're kind of like, you're done, let's move to the next level, or like, this was fine, but like, I'm not so into it. If you have to say like, hey, I'm not into this, like, let's move on to the next thing, then your chemistry's off. Like I've had partners where the chemistry is good
2: mm.
1: and they realize and you realize and then you're able to move on to the next thing. I think you should for sure be talking. But there are certain things that if you have to say them, then it kind of like the, the sexiness goes away. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So actually, I would love to hear more about that because I am a person like I went from being super silent to now like erring on the side of too much communication. It scares people away. (laughs) And I'm trying to find kind of the implicitness through talking to other people because I can't figure out when to do stuff sometimes. And I'm not necessarily with a new person. I do tend to sort of like Check in with them, you know, through exploring their body and checking in. But there definitely have been moments where I'm with a partner that I know I like them and I know that I'm like into them. But on a certain day, a certain part of my body doesn't feel good. And so I've had to be like, please switch, (laughs) please move, you know, like (laughs) something different.
1: I think even if you're into them, like when you get that chemistry, Mm -hmm. you know, first of all, I think that communication wise, yes, you need to say when something's not comfortable for you. And I think. My example was more of if I'm doing something Mm. and I feel uncomfortable with it, then I don't necessarily have to communicate. If there's good chemistry, that person will realize, like, I'm kind of done with this right now and I can stop and they'll they won't be like trying to shut my head down. You know what I mean? Got it. But I think that, yes, if someone's doing something to you that you don't like, you have to communicate. Like, I think that my most frustrating thing when I'm with a woman is the lack of communication. Obviously, it's a societal thing of teaching women not to communicate and not to talk about their needs, especially when you're talking about sex. But to me, it's always like, I don't know if what I'm doing is right. I I don't know how you feel when I'm giving a blowjob. Like I know how they're feeling somewhat. Okay. (laughs) Like I can
0: kind of wait, why is that different because of the noises or because is there literal verbal communication or what feels different about it? I just think that one, I know
1: how to blowjob feels and like mm. what someone's going to do to me if it's going to feel. So I have more of an understanding. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I have more of an understanding of how this is going to feel for my partner where I'm with a woman. I have no understanding whatsoever. I don't know what it feels like when someone goes down on you and like how fast they're touching your clit or how deep they're going with their fingers. And like, if you're not going to tell me, I won't know. So lately, my sexual partners that are women have been more vocal, okay. which I find very attractive. Also. Okay. Of, like, when you can say to me, like, hey, hey, slow down for a second, or you can communicate that what you need. Like, it's a confidence of someone having to be able to say, like, I don't like that, or do that this way. Got it. Like, I find that extremely attractive.
0: What's the easiest way for you to hear it? Because I definitely have had experiences in the past where men, it's only been men so <laughs> far, uh, have had a hard time taking the gentle, sweet uh, directions I was offering to them, whereas women tend to be more like, "Okay, you know, or sometimes I'll get a dude that's like asking me questions and checking in constantly. But what are the ways where it's easiest for you to hear feedback?
1: So for me, I grew up with a lot of very strong women around me. So I also grew up in an environment where masculinity was very confusing to me. Like, what is it to be a man? Like, I didn't have the best role models when it came to masculinity, like nothing bad, just not role models that I know and I also was confused with my sexuality, so that didn't help. Mm. So for me, I grew up with more women. So under I don't know how to say it, like having a lot more feminine attributes, like I don't have a lot of like male pride of like, don't tell me what to do, I'm good. Okay. When it comes to sex, I think as long as you have that chemistry and you can say things in a way of like this is still sexy, then I'll take it. Because okay. when someone's just like stop that, you're like, Okay, just stop. Like I'll stop but like then we've we've stopped. <laughs> You know what I mean? Instead of just being like, hey, like, why don't you just move a little that way? Or it'd feel better if you did this and like keep it in the mood. Got it. And I think I learned that, too. Like you said, sometimes I communicate. I had to find that balance of like not communicating too much and always being like, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then someone's like, just shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah totally like, this is not sexy when you're just talking the whole time <laughs> at, at least instructing the whole time yeah
0: yeah i'm also super curious you mentioned earlier uh, when you were talking about the army that there was you said there was an interesting something sex-wise
1: there can you well say i more? think the army is israel is an interesting country because we were talking about masculinity and there's this masculinity in israel that you have to be this man's man and you know, you have to go to the army and you have to be a warrior and you have to, you know, be a combat soldier and kind of something that I think not everyone in the country agrees with. Mm -hmm. And obviously there are different people from different sectors and everything, but it's an overall general feeling within the country of like men are men. Mm. So it just was interesting to me because going into that environment, not necessarily understanding what masculinity was, but being a combat soldier and being able to physically do everything and then understanding like, oh. Wait, so I'm a man, but then there are parts of me that are feminine, so I'm not then. Or if I'm now gay, then I'm not a man anymore. It was just, again, no conversations happening. So then it was even more confusing. Mm. And then, even more, there was like another soldier that we were out in the field one time and in between trainings, and we were all sleeping under a blanket. And I remember like I just randomly like plopped down next to him. It wasn't on purpose. And then I put the blanket over, and he's like, you know, you can come closer. Like, he whispered, and I was like, oh, okay, like, I'll come closer. And I had kept distance, I think, because I was like, I don't need anyone thinking that I'm gay, so I'm not going to get too close to him, where all the soldiers are like, but to, but the penis, Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he ended up, like, grabbing, like, just grabbing my dick at some point. I was just like, what is going on? And this was like a man's man, like, straight to the point, and you're just like, What? And that happened, like, a couple times in my life where you're just like, what? Like, I thought you were straight.
0: Yeah. Did you want it? What was your emotional feeling? Or was it like? I think at some point when you're not out,
1: you kind of are like, whatever sex comes, I'll take it it with a guy. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, this is my chance. Because I can't know if someone else is gay or not. And I don't want to know because then I'm because then I have to be out in order to. And then it also can lead to an emotional relationship. And. You're like i don't want that because mm-hmm. i haven't decided what i want so i think with those situations now i can look back That obviously i was a young guy corny all the time i was like yeah i want it yeah now i'm like okay i wanted it but again most of those relationships then had these men not really communicating outside of the sex and as if you did not exist yep but the sexual part of it was fun
0: <laughs> wow Whoa. okay any other like sexy army stories or anything like that
1: Yeah, I mean, another one was I had a friend who was like part of our group that we would always go out. And there was one week where two of our other friends were still in the army. And you get to go out every two weeks, mostly two to three weeks, you're back at home. So he was home and the other two weren't. It was the first time it was just the two of us. So he's like, you want to go out? I was like, yeah. So we go out and he starts buying shots and drinks and all this stuff. I'm like, nothing's going on. We're just like talking, whatever. And then usually we lived like really close. So usually at the end of the night. I would go back to their house and just hang out a little and then go back to my house. So we went back to his house and he was like, oh, you could just sleep here. I mean, I was drunk and at a certain point I was just like, oh, well, I'm going to go to sleep. So I'm just going to take my clothes off. And I think at that point I was kind of like, it would be cool if something happened because I was attracted to him, but I wasn't. But I was like, this isn't happening, so it's fine. I'll just take my clothes off and get in bed. And he ended up, I think I went to the bathroom and he ended up getting onto where I was going to sleep also just in boxers and I was like okay whatever so I sat down and then he like put his arm around me and then I was the one who's like okay like if it's, if we're already in this situation like I kind of moved his hand down he's like oh we're not supposed to do that and I was like yeah we are. okay <laughs> okay so I mean I didn't say that but in my head I was like yeah we are and then it kind of went from there yeah and it happened a couple times that were very fun I think that was the first time I tried anal receiving okay did not like it
0: okay really
1: like it kind of turned me off from anal at all oh. he had a big dick and i did not know anything about lou <gasps> like you said Ooh. i didn't know i was drunk so it was nice but it went right in and i was like nope <laughs> i was like out and he went out right away and he was like good about it but i was like
0: that's yeah it
1: took me a long time to try it again
0: so you've tried it again yeah What what's your current status <laughs>
1: My current status is I decided that if I'm in a relationship with a man and I feel comfortable enough, then I'll do it. Because I realized like after I tried it again and I enjoyed it, I was like, yeah, but this is something I think I'd want to do with a partner Mm. that I trust and that I feel like I want to go through that process (laughs) with because it's a process. Like it doesn't just happen. I think a lot of people are just stick it in there. It's like, no, 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 no. This takes a while which I also had to learn through experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So were most of your experiences with men as a top?
1: Yeah, almost all of them. I think there were those, that those two experiences, the one I talked about, and then one more with someone else. Yeah. And I think also, I think from being assaulted, I think a lot of it was just control, like needing to be in that place of control. And like, again, I didn't lose my virginity till later. And then I hadn't, I didn't fuck a guy until like much later than that. Like, I think I was like 24 24. Something like that. And like I just naturally went to like no one's fucking me in the ass.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it's not happening. Yeah. Do you also like anal sex with women too? Is that a stupid question? I don't think they're stupid questions. I don't think there are
1: any women who were like, let's do this. Cause like okay. like I think because of all my confusion, like I haven't been in a relationship since I was with that girl when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Like a mm-hmm. long term relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I've had kind of flings here or there or something that lasted like a month. Yeah. And I've had some emotional relationships that didn't go anywhere. But that's why I say, like, I don't know what I'm into because I haven't really been with a partner where we both feel super comfortable with one another and we can start trying things and figuring it out. Because I think with one night stands or someone that's just a fuck buddy, it's like at a certain point, unless you're, you know, fucking for a long time, like you're not at that place where you're like, hey, like, you want to put in my ass?
0: Yeah, I feel like unless you're with someone who, yeah, oh, this is such a good question because like now I'm super into butt stuff, but would I do it with someone I just met? Maybe if I knew they were also experienced. That's important. You know? Yeah, like if they're experienced, I want to make sure that they're not going to shame me because people who aren't into butt stuff have a different framework and like, I don't know. I mean,
1: it's also just physically like it's not the same thing. Yes. like it's not uh, the same butt thing. And, Yes. And a vagina are
0: very different. Yeah. Like,
1: Yes, there are people who are ready and able for you to just shove your dick in them. And then there are people who are. not Yes, yes. And then it goes the same thing with like, yes, even if a girl's like able and ready and wet and she can take it, the ass is very different. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's not the same. You know, it's not the same
0: orifice. And just very different on different days for me personally. Like there have been times where I've been so wet that I was able to use my own wetness on a cock as lube, which was enough for that day. And then there are other days where I'm like, more lube, more lube, more lube. Actually, I need a butt plug. Actually, I need like more warm up time. And so I've learned I've learned to just expect the unexpected with my body and that I can't which is why I struggle so much when people are like, what do you like? And I'm just like, well, how hot is it? When did I eat last? How much sleep did I get? And like, are you nice to how me? How much time do I have? Yeah. And like, <laughs> and like, do you make me nervous or do you make me comfortable? Do I feel like I have to be in charge or do I feel like you can make me safe? Because all of that will dictate sure. what my body is doing.
1: So now like in the last, once I've been in therapy and I kind of was working on myself like in the last few months, like I also, if I'm going to have sex with someone, I'll be like, do you want to be on top? Mm. Or, like, do you like, you know yourself best? And I'll say it like, you know yourself best. I don't like to toot my own horn, but my dick is pretty thick. And like people don't realize it when they look at it. And then all of a sudden they try it and they're like, "Whoa, okay, Wait <laughs> a second, that was a little tricky. I was like, I know it happens. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, you know how it's going to feel for you instead of me just shoving it yes. in and then you being like, you can and I think when it comes to anal, whether you're receiving or giving, then you have to communicate no matter what. Yeah, Like yeah. that has to be like on the highest level. I know that like I will only have sex with a condom, safe sex if I'm having sex with a partner that I'm not with for a long time. And, yeah. you know, we haven't built a trust. And I have been with a partner it's like, it's not wet. Like, can't you feel that? I'm like, no, I'm wearing a condom. Yeah. Like, I can't feel it. So yeah. if it's not wet, say it. And say I'll so. you know,
0: totally. Get we'll get
1: some moves. We'll
0: figure it out. Like, it's all good. <sighs> On that note, how do you have these conversations about safe sex with partners? I think that
1: I went through a period of not knowing what safe sex was. And then there was a period where I knew what it was, but I wasn't practicing it mm-hmm. because I was kind of just, I, I had left Israel. I kind of went on, on an adventure on my own. And then I think I kind of just went wild. Mm. I was like, oh I'm free. Like there's no one around and I can do whatever I want. And I'm traveling to all these different countries. I can just have crazy sex and nothing will stop me. And I kind of got carried I got carried away into that world, I think. I think that's also when I discovered Grindr, which is like a whole okay. different world, like crazy world. And so I think that there were times where I like I'm like,
0: I don't know how I don't
1: have some sort of sexual disease. And like I have not I got one. Okay. And I was using a condom.
0: Was it one that could get taken care of with like meds or like like I have herbies in my throat and I talk about it as much as possible just to normalize because like people don't think I, got, I don't it.
1: know what you call them in English. I think crabs, okay. like lice. Yeah, like general lice, general crabs Yeah, where evidently you just use what you use on regular life and it goes away. I did not know that. And the doctor was like, yeah, it's the same thing as regular. Like that's what works.
0: Whoa. Did you like see a little buggy? What was that experience oh, like? Oh yeah, did you oh, freak oh, out? Oh, I
1: don't like talking about it. <laughs> I freaked the fuck out. Cause I remember there was a guy and I had sex. And I used the condom and everything. And then I was just itchy. And then all of a sudden, like I picked my finger up and I felt something like, and I just see this white bug. And I'm like, Oh my God. Cause in Israel, anyone who moves here from the States gets like, it just happens. Oh, so it becomes a whole thing. You have to wash everything Yeah, and you have to put butter in your hair and then plastic saran wrap it so that it kills them all. Oh, my God. And like, so they don't multiply and it suffocates their eggs. So when you think of that on your genitals, you're like, holy <sighs> shit, Like, I have to wash everything and like, I have to get rid of everything. And what if my roommates get it? Like, this is not yeah. good. Like, I was freaking the fuck out. Like, I had to be talked off a ledge at that point. Okay. But then I, you know, once you took care of it, you're like, okay, it wasn't so bad. And like, I dealt with it and shaved everything off and like got it done.
2: Okay.
1: I'm itching just thinking about it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's just like, oh, I've got life everywhere. But I think once I realized, like going through therapy and realizing, like I need to take better care of myself and protect myself and make sure I'm doing the right thing, then I'm a lot more vocal about like, the last sexual partner I had, we had sex a couple times and he was like ready to just do it without a condom. And I literally was like, no. Yeah, Like that. I'm not there yet I think we I haven't gotten to that point Where I've had to have A conversation with someone But my conversation Will be for me If we aren't In a committed relationship Of we're not Right now Sleeping with other people And I haven't seen Your test results We're not having sex Without a condom Yeah Because there are Many of diseases That you don't know You have them And you can give them To someone So I would like To see some results Totally And it's not that hard Especially here We have a Medicare system Okay So everyone can get tested at any time. You can just go to your doctor and say you need a test and he'll give you a test for everything under the sun. That's great. Yeah, which is amazing. Like, you don't pay anything.
0: Are most of the doctors, like, do they give you looks or are they, like, pretty chill about it?
1: It was so, I think, like, that was one of the the biggest things of me being embarrassed of, like, asking for a test. Yeah. Now, because of the internet, you can just send it in online. Like, you don't have to go to the doctor's office. You could just be like, hey, I need a STD test. Could you send it to me and they'll send it to you, which makes it easier. But yeah, when I went in that first time to ask for one, I was like, gonna know that like I had sex with a guy? Like, is he going to give me looks over that? Like, I'm not sure. And at that time, I wasn't even having unprotected sex. I was just doing it on, you know, every couple of months to Mm -hmm. make sure I was good. Mm -hmm. But even then, you're just like, oh, I don't want them judging me.
0: I even felt that way the first time that I went to the clinic, after having, like, a lot of anal sex, and they were like, do you need an anal swab? And I was like, yes. Like, and I just, and I just, <laughs> yeah, like, and it's like, oh, I actually, like, fucking love anal sex, but I felt just shy even talking to the person who's a receptionist, and that's their job, and they were perfectly lovely, but I was just, like, you know, exposed to this yeah, early patterning of, like, oh, I'm supposed to be embarrassed about this or something. Or, like, what did they just Yeah, me? and
1: I think the best thing about your podcast is that conversation you try to have about talking about sex. I think I, at one of my jobs, was working with young people with special needs. And I remember we were like, I was like, let's do sex ed. Like no one's doing sex ed for them.
2: Yeah. And someone's saying
1: like, why do they need sex ed? I'm like, because they're humans and they have functioning bodies. Yep. And a lot of them cognitively might not understand what's going on. So they need it even more.
2: Yeah. Because they
1: even more need to understand what consent is and what's okay and not okay. And if no one's talking to them about it, then we're not going to anybody about it. And then it's just going to be a huge mess. Oh my God. And I think when we started doing sex ed, because we were a private organization, we got to kind of decide how we wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And we were all about positivity. Most sex ed, especially in Israel, is don't let someone touch you. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's just like, okay, so what can they do? Like you're not teaching someone how to communicate. You're just telling them, don't let anybody touch you. Don't let anybody go near you and you'll be fine. (laughs) yeah lock yourself in a room
0: (laughs) yeah which is not what our animal bodies say to us too like nobody ever says like hey you might get these feelings and they might make you do stupid shit so like here's what you should like aim for and here's what you should know like here's how your brain's gonna malfunction when you're like full of horniness (laughs) and i mean we even talked about body acceptance Mm.
1: like no one is i think more and more people are doing it but talking to teens about like What is body acceptance? Like everybody's seeing, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and all these things. And there are studies now talking about how like social media is influencing people's self esteem and like how they look at themselves. So then, why aren't you then going into a classroom and saying, hey, like, how do you look at yourself? Like, talk about it a little bit. Let me know what you think about yourself so I can let you know if that's a healthy thought, if that's something that, or being able to just say, everybody thinks that about themselves at some point or another. That doesn't mean you're broken it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's okay that you don't like your body right now and you don't have to change it. Yeah. You can accept it at some point or not. Yeah. But I think that just in general, when we're not talking about sex in a positive way and what you're allowed to say, especially when you're talking about consent, like, oh, no means no. Great. So then what is someone not saying no, but feeling uncomfortable means that I can keep going because they didn't say no. Yeah. And then on the other side of it for men as well, like, she's not communicating that doesn't, you know, then it's, I don't want to say it's not your fault, but sometimes it's like, if no one's telling you not to do something, then how are you supposed to know not to do it? And I think that gray area is so hard.
0: Tricky gray areas too, where what I encounter a lot is I'll be like, it seems like this is happening. Is that accurate? And people be like, no. And I'll be like, Are you sure? And it comes down to this really tricky spot where I'm like, I'm looking at their animal body. I'm hearing the way that they're saying the words, but what they're actually saying to me is opposite. So do I dismiss their personal agency and the words they just spoke out of their mouth? Or do I like trust the animal body feeling that is so clear that even though they're saying yes, their body is saying no, what do I do? And that's why I am so obsessed with talking to everybody about their personal experiences, because that is the part that I don't know how to solve because obviously we're taught that we should respect people's agency, whether it's a yes or a no, but also so many of us are caught in confused shame smooshes that it's like, you can't make assumptions. You can't just assume that you know what they need. And I've had so many dudes be like, I know what you need. And I'm like, no, you're not. You, you're not listening. And this is now the sixth time I've told you and I'm gone, you know, and, and now I've learned to not wait six times. <laughs> um, but it's just tricky.
1: But I think also what comes along with that is that nobody then wants to talk about it because I've had those yes. situations happen where to me, I maybe it's just my personality and who I am. But when someone tells me no, it means no. And mm-hmm. maybe it's just my experiences and being assaulted, knowing that I would never want to put someone in a position where they feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I've had situations where I've been in with a sexual partner, whether it was drinking or whatever. And then I was with a close friend actually once and we had gone away together and then we got drunk one night and we ended up having sex and we woke up and there were literally like <laughs> condoms all over the room. And like both of us couldn't really remember what happened. And it was a good like four months before I got the person. I was like, I have to ask her, like, what was that experience for you? Because I don't want you to feel like I did something or I know I can't remember what happened, but I want to make sure like, you know, that if something happened there, that wasn't okay with you, like I understand that Mm -hmm. and not to blame anyone or say, you know, you did this or you did that, but just for both of us. And we had a great conversation where I was just like, do you remember anything? And she's like, no, not really. Like, I remember bits and pieces. I was like, me too. I was like, were you okay with what happened? He said, yeah, like I was fine with what happened. Like uh, both of us were really drunk and it happened.
2: Yeah.
1: And again, I think people, when they don't feel comfortable talking yeah. about sex, they don't feel comfortable having those conversations. Yes. And sometimes that's all it takes. Yep. A conversation to know like, I know that something wasn't comfortable for you in that situation. I know you weren't able to say it then. Maybe you could say it to me now so I can understand. It's not that I did something to you. It's just how you felt and me acknowledging your feelings. When yeah. I can acknowledge your feelings, It just gives you the emotional capacity to then talk about it more. And to your next partner, you might say, listen, no, this is not comfortable for me. I don't want to do this, which it's just sad to me that those conversations aren't happening with teens, especially when people get to that age of sexual awareness to nip it in the bud before it starts to be able to talk about sex in a healthy way and get them already on that rail, then you won't have as much of these kids getting to their 1920s, having unhealthy sexual relationships and then trying to figure out in their 20s of where did I go wrong? And then how do I get back on track and how do I deal with the emotional damage that was done?
0: And as I hear you talk and I put myself into that situation, if I just project, I just think about a weird situation like that where I'm like, do not know the social protocol, don't know what to do. I'm kind of in freeze mode about it. Just having the partner check in with me would be enough, care for me if I was like just in confusion zone about it to be like, oh, I do feel better about it now than I did if it had just been this totally silent thing that was never spoken about again, because it's that silence that makes me feel like, oh, I did a bad and wrong and shame. Yeah,
1: that's the shame. We don't we don't talk about it. Yeah. I think once you start talking, I mean, that's kind of what drew me to social work of being able to say, like, there are things that you can talk about and having those conversations with people and making them feel like no one's judging you here just open up about what it is you feel and like and we'll talk about it and we'll see if we can help you in any way or you can help yourself get to a better place
0: yeah is there anything else to say about grinder or possibly sexting or nudes or porn or anything like that
1: oh grinder that uh (laughs) i first found it when i was in a different country like i don't know why but thank God I did not know about Grindr when I was like 19 or 18. (laughs) That would have been horrible. Like knowing that like, Oh, I can find someone who's two feet away from me and have sex with them. Like the same in 10 minutes, like, Oh, as an 18 year old, that sounds great and fun. And like, now I'm like, wait a second, but finding it like when I was a little older, but then it's a dark place. Sometimes I don't, it depends where, but especially I think here in Israel, it can be very dark because a lot of people are in the closet. Mm. It's, you know, in Tel Aviv, you can go and, you know, it's very uh, queer friendly and very out there and it's a very forward city, but there are places in Israel where you go and it's not. Yeah. I think the amount of people they don't realize who are stuck in the shame cycle and won't come out or won't talk about it or won't even say like, I'm just trying things out. It's astronomical compared to what they think is out there, mm. especially when you're on Grindr and there's just like blank faces, like there's no pictures of anyone because no one wants to be outed. Wow. So, yeah, I think that that helps The shame, even when you are out and you're looking like, oh, well, this is something we shouldn't be doing. I think that it can get very unhealthy when you're in that space of like, I'm just trying to figure out what I want. So I'm just going to have sex with as many people as I can to figure out if this is what I want.
0: Mm, Is that something you did?
1: Yeah, that was something I was doing when I was in uh, Europe, like traveling. I think it was, uh, oh, this is easy. This is something I can try to figure out if this is what I want. But then I didn't have that emotional work behind it of making sure I was doing it in a healthy way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think even now, you know, there are ebbs and flows. And like I was saying, that shame cycle of going up and down of like, oh, what I did was like, is that shameful. Like, did I want to do that? Is that healthy for me? And I think through therapy, I now can have those conversations with myself. Mm-hmm. And talking about communication, self-communication and being able to have those conversations of like, am
0: I lying to myself and thinking that was healthy
1: when that really wasn't healthy for me? is one of the greatest things you can do.
0: What's your definition of healthy? Like when you check in with yourself, how do you decide what lines up as healthy?
1: I'm still figuring that out.
0: Okay. It's like one of those sneaky binary words that I'm like, oh, am I punishing myself or am I taking care of myself with this word? You know?
1: For sure. I think it can go both ways. I think it's when you're being completely honest with yourself. I think you can get into situations where you're meeting a sexual partner and you're like, wait, but I want to do this. And I'm very attracted to this person. Mm. And this is going to be fun. But then not saying to yourself, "Okay, but this person's going to come. We're going to have sex for 10 minutes. They're going to leave and I'm going to feel like shit.
2: Mm.
1: And then you're lying to yourself. Now, I think that it can be healthy if you're saying, well, I'm going to have a 10 minute quickie with this person. I know they're going to leave. I know it's going to be a little hard for me, but I'm really horny right now and I want sex. That can be healthy you know what you want. You know the ramifications of what's going to happen. And you're able to deal with it emotionally. Yeah. And also that's the thing where you are emotionally. I yeah. think that's the healthy part of it. Like if you're having sex with anyone and you're not in a healthy emotional state and that's where the need to have sex is coming from, that's not great.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think a lot of us, the conversation about what's healthy and what's not is not really talked about. So then you're not talking about it with yourself. So then there's so many people that could probably look back at experiences and just be like, wow, even last week when I had sex with my partner of 20 years, like that did not come from a healthy place. Mm. Like I was just having sex because I wanted to feel wanted. And like, we weren't in a good place. And I didn't feel like he was attentive or she was attentive. And even then realizing like, oh, that wasn't healthy for me.
2: Mm.
1: And I think that once you can have that conversation and be honest with yourself, then you can figure out like, okay, I'm going to have sex with my partner. I'm not feeling good right now. We should talk about it first. And then if I'm still feeling like I want to have sex with them, then we'll have sex when I feel like I'm gonna, it's coming from a good place.
0: I would love to hear feelings on fantasies for the future going forward. What else do you want to explore?
1: I think right now my main thing is kind of exploring the emotional part of it, mm-hmm. the emotional connection with someone else, maybe a long-term emotional connection. I've gotten to a place where most of my friends know I'm attracted to men and women all my family, except for my dad, who that's a whole other thing, know about it and accept it and uh, accept it to a point. Yeah. So I think it's finding that balance between, okay, acceptance of myself. I think that's a huge thing. Like finding it, being accepting of yourself, understanding that that shame doesn't still have to be attached where it is. There's nothing you can do about it when you're that shameful for that long and you're hiding something for that long. It's not so easy to be like, oh, well, now I'm out of the closet. So I'm good with it. And I can now go be in a relationship with a man and walk down the street and hold hands and I'll be fine. No, it's a process. And it's something you have to go through and something you have to figure out emotionally within yourself. And I think I'm in that process and I'm doing a good job of getting there. Yeah. It's just going to take some time. When it comes to fantasies, I think just monogamy always seems so weird to me. And then I'm like, but having sex with the same person for the rest of your life or for however long that relationship lasts, like that doesn't sound fun. And like, what if I don't like them anymore? What if, you know, there's so many variables that could happen where I'm still in love with this person, but sexually I need something else. Like, yeah. I think someone said it once. No one can fill every need you have. Yeah. But on the other hand, having that relationship with someone of complete trust and having something that's only yours is also beautiful
2: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a process of, I think my mom says it best. There's going to be another person in this relationship. So you don't get to decide. <laughs> you can talk about it as much as you want now. <laughs> it's not going to matter because there's going to be another person with their own th- thoughts and feelings who may think differently than you. And then you might change your mind. Yeah. Uh, so I decided just kind of go with the flow. And
0: beautiful. when
1: I have that partner, then I'll figure out what the next step is.
0: Okay. And just in theory just out of curiosity would you be interested in things like group sex or threesomes moresomes
1: again i think it well threesomes i like i think they're tricky
0: oh you've had them is there a story
1: Uh, (laughs) we didn't get into this it's time we have a little time for it's always time for a threesome story they can be very fun i think it was more when i was younger or a little more like oh it's just sex so they're a lot more fun because When it's three people, it's like, oh, I don't have to know these people. Like, we're just going to have a fun time together and have sex and like it'll all be good. And that actually worked. Now I think they're a little harder that I'm making more of a connection with people. And to do that with another person, I'm not there yet. Like, I'm like, okay, are you feeling good? Are you feeling good? Like, is this okay? Like, are we good? Like, is this how this is happening? And I remember I had like a a fuck buddy for a while and I had texted him one day. I was like, hey, what's happening? Whatever. And he's like, oh, this guy's coming over. Like, you want to come? And I was like, Okay, I'm like that sounds fun, and we had had like we had fucked before, like completely, and so we get into this threesome. First of all, I have to say, this one I think I was like 25, 26 at the time, and he was 23, and the other guy was 19. Okay, and he was like this physically smaller guy but attractive, and he just like pulled down his pants, and this monster cop just like pops out, and was like, Wait, What? And we had a great time. And it was, like, one of the, be- the best experience. I think just the chemistry between mm. the three of us worked. But then there are also those times where you're like, do they know I'm here? Uh-huh. And sometimes you're like, wait, that person's over there. Hold on. Yeah. Come over here. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't feel left out. And the funniest thing, I think, was I met up with the fuck buddy afterwards. Like, at another time, he's like, I don't know why you guys didn't fuck me. And I was just like, why didn't you say you wanted to be fucked? Like, yeah. I didn't know. Like, we've been together. I fucked you, but I did not know you'd be comfortable with both of us fucking you. So I didn't even want to offer it because I didn't want you to feel like now you have to let him fuck you. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a whole thing. I think one fantasy is to be with a guy and a girl, preferably a couple. I don't know why.
0: Ooh, yes, 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 yes.
1: I I don't know why. Like, it's just like, I just like that you guys already have the connection. Yeah, I I love
0: that. And I kind of come into that. It's one of my favorite things. I love to be like, let me celebrate your relationship and you won't take over my life. Like, Which
1: I think also, like, I love that. That's the same thing I say about kids. Like, I can come say hi to your kid, but then I can give them back. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, totally. It's great. Like, I can be part of your relationship and then be like, it's yours. Bye. <laughs> like, when someone starts crying.
0: Yes. I also just watched a friend's dog for a week and I was like, Phoebe, you're so sweet. Here you go. You can have her back now. You know, like, <laughs> it was
1: perfect. the same thing exactly it's like once someone starts crying like you can have them back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) also i think you have to be in a super healthy place to enter into like a couple space because i think a lot of the times emotionally can take a toll on you if like these two people have this connection especially if they're a couple that does have a good connection Mm -hmm. these two people have this connection and i'm coming in on that connection but i'm like you just said like i get to celebrate their partnership instead of i'm coming into this connection and feeling outside and feeling like, okay, we've had the sex and now I'm no longer part of this. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a tricky balance, but yes. yeah, it for sure can be fun. And I'd like to I've never mixed the world okay of men and women. Yet. Yet. <laughs> so I feel like that could be a fun experience, but so difficult to get to. I think if you're not part of a community where that's accessible, it's so hard to find. Just yeah. like to talk to a woman and then be like, listen, like First of all, having that conversation, of, are you OK with the fact that I've fucked guys before and may fuck guys in the future? And like, oh. are you OK with that if I did that with you there? I mean, I think there was one relationship I had that went on for like a month. It was mostly sexual. And it was like after I had come out on the first time, like I was really with a woman in like a long time and I found her very attractive and it kind of surprised me that it happened. And I remember being like, OK, I'm just going to tell her because like, I have to tell her and like, this conversation is not going to go well, but I get to tell her that I'm attracted to men and women. So I tell her and she goes, oh, yeah, I'm bisexual, too. I was like, oh. And then we just kept talking. I was That's like, wait, that awesome. wasn't a thing.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: I was just like, no, 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 no. This is supposed to be like a huge dramatic moment of mm. you shaming me. And, and then I think that experience was just like, OK. Like I'm, I can be good with myself. And as long as I'm good and comfortable with myself, others will be, or they won't be, but that's theirs. Yeah. Not mine. And so I think that kind of changed the way I look at it of like, yeah, I'm in a relationship with a woman and that's something she doesn't accept. Then that's hers. And I can't change it. And I even have friends like who have said to me, like women were like, I don't, I don't see myself with a guy who's been with guys. Like mm. it's just gross. to hmm. me. For some reason I don't take it personally. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. That's, you know what makes you feel good, and 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 I'm glad you can say that out loud. On the other hand, I don't think you should make any judgments till you try things, because you never know you might meet a guy, and then a year later he tells you a story about that one time in band camp.
0: Yep, <laughs> I was gonna say that that to me seems like someone who hasn't had an experience, but also, and their mind, like you said earlier, the mind could be changed if they meet a certain someone, but also. I don't need them to practice on me. So I'm glad they can say it out loud and they can go do their <laughs> learnings elsewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What about kinks? Are there any kinks that you're going to want to explore or power play? Oh, I forgot about
1: this story. Oh, this is a good story. It's, <laughs> I, it's something I found out I don't like. Okay. Which was interesting. I am not a violent person. I don't know what it is. I just don't like violence. I don't like being violent. And I, I'm not talking about like violent aggra- aggressive. I'm talking about hitting someone or Mm -hmm. and people enjoying it Mm -hmm. with consent Mm -hmm. there's this one guy I hooked up with and he wanted me to spank him and he was very communicative and open about it of like I like being spanked hard and I remember I spanked him and he was just like that wasn't hard and I'm like I I'm sorry but I'm a big guy like I don't want to hit you (laughs) and I just remember feeling I was like okay you know what keep an open mind like try it you might like it and I did. I hit him a couple times and I was just like, this is not for me. Okay. Like, I am not. So it was interesting, though, because I was just like, I don't get it. He was so into it. And I was just like, I don't get it how he can be so into it. And I'm just like not having it.
0: <laughs> how did it make you feel like what were the it was just like a null void, nothing? Or was it like a it was Ooh. interesting?
1: Okay. It was like, uh, OK, this is interesting. Like he's enjoying it. So great. But like I not wanting to physically hit someone so yeah. like I don't think I'm gonna do this again okay. I was like I'll do it for him like and I'm good and not uncomfortable but it's just not me got it. I'm biting though like not hurting someone mm-hmm. but like if if you got the right amount of biting like the lower lip yeah drives me crazy I don't know I'm, I think I'm really like with the amount of sexual experiences I've had I don't really think I'm that kinky
0: okay sexting nudes and porn thoughts
1: porn I think I like it when there's a story I think I've done out, which a lot of porn doesn't have stories. So yeah. it's kind of, like, kind of like, I think I like it when you can see like someone was enjoying themselves. Yeah. I think whenever someone's enjoying their work, you like it. You like watching. But totally. <laughs> totally. I think especially in porn, like if you can see like, oh, this person at least faked it very good Yeah. and looks like they're enjoying themselves. It gets you off more. News. I've sent news. I think grinder. everybody sends news okay. kind of a thing. I don't know, it's tricky. I think sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want that out there. And then sometimes I'm just like, who's going and posting my nudes everywhere? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's a thing that people want to do. <laughs> like, I don't see me being that important that someone's gonna be like, oh, we gotta make a picture of it. Like mm-hmm. put it up on the internet. And I think I, I don't do it so much. Like it's very rarely that I'll send some like a full nude picture with my face in it. Okay. If I'm sending a nude, I'm not sending it with my face just to be a little more on the safe side. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky area. It's always nice to get nude when they're good nudes i think a lot of people take pictures of themselves and you're like mm, you should not be sending that picture <laughs> like, it's not flattering
0: okay so it's like a flattering angle yeah because like i just want from dudes i usually get pictures where i'm just like i can see your dirty laundry and your crumpled papers and your dirty bathroom <laughs> floor and your socks like try harder you know it makes it and that's what it is it's not like oh your cock looks fine but like I need you to send this to me so that I feel enticed. And if you just look lazy, well, then I'm going to make assumptions about how you are in bed.
1: Yeah. And I also think like there's just angles and close enough and like too close and too far. Yeah. That you can get on those pictures. And sometimes you'll get them and just be like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like, Mm. I don't what angle is this from? Like, I can't even tell what your body looks like.
0: I also think some of the weird angles do come from the fact that people are horny when they are taking them. And so they're just not paying attention to some, (laughs) to all the angles. Like I've definitely gotten somewhere. I'm like, this is so blurry that, okay, okay. I know what's happening here. (laughs) Exactly. But
1: I think that's also something else. Cause like when you're sending a nude, I know as a guy, like if you're sending your dick, like you're looking at that picture and being like, which is even worse when they have, dirty laundry in the background because you're like, I know you spent like three minutes looking at that picture to make sure your dick looked big enough.
0: I think a lot of people I've gotten enough now because I also like receive them from people who send them to me for artwork. And I've gotten enough where I'm like, oh, some people's brains must not pick up these details like they're focused on what they're focused on and just everything else is in the background. And like, I've also given some friends some advice and like pointed those things out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even notice. So I try to give the leeway. But also I noticed the laundry. Okay, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say?
1: I think I would pick 16, 17, but I think I would just say, like, you need to appreciate yourself more Mm. and you're worth more, meaning I think now Mm. I just had the experience of being a sexual partner that I wanted to have a little more. And now I'm able to say, listen, I went through a process. I know what I want and I'm not settling for less. So, if I do want more, I'm going to say it. If I don't, then, I, then I'll just enjoy the time. But being able to tell myself, like, you're worth more, you're worth the extra effort that someone would have to take to get to know you, than you just being like, oh, there's sex, I'll take it.
0: Mm. Do you have a sex question for me?
1: So, we talked a little bit about having those open conversations. Do you find, like, in regular life, not in your podcast, when you're having those conversations with people, do you find you're able to be just as open as you are when you're talking? on your podcast in a certain framework?
0: No, it's so much harder in regular life. I think, I think that a weird thing has happened. This is my current sort of like, as I try to figure out, wait, why do I have this experience when I'm talking to people on the podcast and this completely different experience out in the real world? I think there's something about most of the people I'm talking to now, most guests have listened to the episode so they know what to expect from me. I think people in the regular world have a lot of shame or judgment baggage that when I am as direct as I am sometimes or as socially inept, like truly I am bad at reading social signals in real life. And when I say the word bad, what I actually mean is like, I make mistakes about what people mean. I can't figure out the pace that they want to move at, particularly on dating apps. If I'm with a person in real life, I can kind of like calibrate to them more. But there's also this extra layer of, I don't know. Dating at people seem extra confusing. And that's where I've met people mostly because I'm not out in the regular world yet. Like I'm not doing activities in life that would like create a mixer situation. And I'm a lot more likely to accidentally make people upset or scare them away. Or the most recent experience I had, we had a fine exchange and I was like, "Oh, I'm doing it. I'm do- I'm I'm talking about my desires. He's talking about his he, he asked what my schedule is like tomorrow. Like, he says he's a dumb. We're both not looking for anything too, too serious at the moment. And then he poofed away. But that at least is, like, kind of better than just someone getting mad because I asked a question that they invited. And so I think, unfortunately, I am more confused than ever because I now also have these layers of, like, you know, kind of like you were saying, like, oh, is someone going to get mad at me or whatever? Or, like, like shame me for, like, living this certain way? I have to like tell people that I have a podcast where I talk about all my personal details and also the personal details of whoever I'm encountering, but also like assure them that I'm a safe, loving, lovely person. And it's a different level of trust building. And I think I don't know that I'm ever going to date just like a normal human being again. So like I'm hoping that kinky people get it. But even I'm learning there's like a lot more shame in certain kinky people than I than I had realized. There's a lot of like in the closet kink. And so no I struggle super hard (laughs) and then I have shame about that because I'm like what? I think
1: also dating apps in general like we've lost something of like you said like being able to just understand the other person like where their heads at because it's the same thing like you have I think one of my friends said it best like she's living in Tel Aviv which is like a huge community and there's a lot of people on the dating apps and like She said, like, no, there's, like, a game. Like, you know that if you're talking to someone and after two dates they stop talking to you, it's because, not because they didn't like you, not because they didn't have a good time or you didn't have a connection. It's because they found someone else and wanted to try to date them because there's just so many people out there. They want to know, like, oh, how is that? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Normal people don't just disappear. Like, you can't be in a conversation and just leave. And poof. Yeah. It doesn't work.
0: Yeah. It's really bonkers. And I just... Yeah, not being able to feel into a person in person is so hard for me because I think also there's so much more that that I can connect to and, and all that. So dating apps are not my friend, but
1: I mean, and that also just happened to me because with that guy that I was talking about that I put down like what I wanted. Literally, I was like, so this is, you know, I don't I can't read you. I don't really know what you're thinking. Yeah. So let me know. And I haven't heard from him yeah. in like a week or so. I was yeah. like, you're gone. Great. You could have just said no, but thanks.
0: Yeah. Trying to learn the social guessing games is probably the hardest thing that I'm doing. And they, you know, they keep changing. There are no rules and everyone is just as confused. And there's a lot of shame, blame and judgment culture. And like ghosting is fine. So I find it very confusing. I'm just going to keep trying to, you know talk to people about sex and maybe together we can all just like create a different culture and i would like that because <laughs> then, be then i think i'd get laid more <laughs> <laughs> alex thank you so much for being on the show
1: thank you for having me i had a great time